As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. Now, wait a minute, Eve. I seem to recall that this house has some connection with the Revolutionary War. There, there, are, there are no patches on the elbows of, of this jacket, thankfully. Obviously, for obvious reasons. That said... I mean, didn't George Washington sleep here once? This is Nerdish She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. recording fix your hair Seth I'm glad you fixed your hair all seven of them (laughs) hello and welcome to the athletic NBA show it's Friday I'm Dave Dufour and I'm giggling here with Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow and it's nerder she wrote guys uh How's it going? Uh, we, we're giggling <laughs> at... Uh, Mo just I, said something very mean to me. I took an unnecessary shot at Seth because I felt like it was that's funny. okay. It's going to make it into the show. Uh, coming up on the show, we talk about some of our favorite things. It's not even true. Usual. And then we're going to play a little game that I like to call the pushback. Guys, my... Uh, I want to start with uh, my favorite thing this week. And it's going to be funny because I don't like... Game stoppages. Everybody knows I'm I'm against live ball timeouts. I hate reviews. I think that uh, often fouls are just overcalled. There's you know the the default for referees sometimes is to blow the whistle when a guy falls down or whatever. And I so this is going to sound a little out of character for me, but my favorite thing this week is all of the traveling violations, the double dribbles, the palming, the carrying, the moving screen violations. Hey, Rick Barry. Listen, guys, they're out there. He's a cop. He's a cop. Guys, they're out there playing. (laughs) They're forcing these guys to play basketball. Now, I don't know if you noticed the take fouls, you know, taking those away. It's cleaned it up. This is a, we got the beautiful game back, guys. And now, as much as I love watching Jordan Poole carry the basketball around like he's a yo-yo champion, You know, with it just spinning in his hand. It's illegal. And finally, the defense is getting a chance to defend. This is beautiful, guys. 
you only have one more thing, and that's to ban the help side charge and make you try to jump and play D. And it's like it, it is nirvana for this for this collective of of, of people. It just is, it's cleaner to watch now, man. It just makes more sense to you know to it's basketball, Mo. No, I mean I I took a shot at you calling you a cop, but it's, it's <laughs> your no no, but it's you're right. It's this is the proper way of doing it in the sense of just the Jordan Poole carries. Like the third one was the most egregious. He took like four steps. <laughs> he gets. It, it's, who was it? It's a couple of years back. Um, I can't. I can't think of who it was on the top of my head. But just ran like six steps with the ball spinning in his palm uh, on a on a breakaway dunk. Now, oh, I yeah, don't I mind talking. not. Call, it was Kuzma. I think maybe. that was Kuzma. Yeah. I don't mind not yeah. calling I that think. because yes, you know exactly. realistically that doesn't affect him getting the dunk, and it's funny for us to laugh at. But when Jordan Poole is, you know, they're sending double teams at Jordan Poole, rightfully, and he's able to split the defense because he's legitimately discontinuing his dribble and restarting it in a different direction. It's good to clean that up. And Jordan Poole, I mean, he he doesn't need that. He's too good. He doesn't need to cheat. And not that he's cheating, but he doesn't need to bend the rules. Like, he's good enough on his own. So I think this is... A welcome addition. I think the guys are going to adjust really, really fast. And yeah, shout out to Rick Barry. I I also think this is the other part of this is they've you mentioned like putting air in the whistle too readily. Like uh they've the default for I don't know 10 years has been when guys pull the chair on a post up. It's like, oh, you fouled him. And and I've seen at least like five times this week where a smaller defender has successfully not done the thing where they grab him by the waist and fall down like Mark Smart, but just kind of back up and the guy falls down on his own or stumbles on his own. They've just called the travel and not and it's like, yeah, reward the guy for, you know, for for actually like doing a non-fouly good defense in a disadvantageous position. I mean, in a sport where the offense has all of the advantage, it's important to give the defense a chance. And it's similar to what we talked about last year with the the rule change about the the fouls and jumping into a guy. I think it's just fair in the sense of like we we don't let you touch them defensively. We can't let the dude, you know, take 12 steps in between dribbles and granted I'm being a a, a bit hyperbolic there, but I think it matters in the sense of it allows the defense an opportunity to defend. And Seth, you're right. Like just the pulling of the chair, it's almost always called a foul, whether it is or isn't. And I think it's always kind of a smart thing. It's uh, defensively, especially when you're undersized. I think we're we're trending in the right direction with how the game's going. And, you know, the, the other thing that I love about how the game's going, and this is my favorite thing, zone defense is back, baby. Like I, I I'm loving it. You know, and, and it's been coming back for a long time before we're like, oh, it's been around. Da, da, da. Yeah, no. But just think about it this way. the We're recording on a Thursday. Last night, the Atlanta Hawks down like 24, employed a zone on the Knicks, came back and won the game. You know, and and, and, and flipped the game completely. Then you have uh, the Miami Heat going to a zone against the Golden State Warriors, which we would almost always say you can't do that against a good shooting team. And 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 they just said, screw it, we're gonna do it. They're not shooting the ball that well tonight. Let's let's do it. They win the game. I feel like coaches being willing to experiment more and play around defensively, I think has been really interesting and my favorite thing. Let me ask you guys, because the zone is effective, especially I mean, if teams can't shoot, but this is not a high school basketball zone, right? This is a, a little bit more like amoeba style, uh, you know, it it 
it rotates. There's there's more to it than a stagnant zone. How many teams have you guys seen roll out a zone offensive package? I mean, the Warriors' natural offense will work against a zone, right? The high post facilitator, split cuts, all that stuff will work against a zone. But I think this could be some low-hanging fruit, guys, because the zone, I mean, this has been, you know, four years now or so that the zone has been kind of steadily creeping up in in usage. But I don't see a lot of zone offensive package when I'm watching. What's How big is the difference between a, a, an actual zone and a switch heavy? It's defense? pretty close. It's pretty close. Yeah. I mean, there's, there, there's you know, it's almost a matter of how much aggression – where we're we're switching, you're probably a little bit. At least the teams that that switch well, not the. I mean, you know, the, don't the, say the, the teams that late more Seth. I don't want to hear that bullshit. We're calling them all zones now. We're calling all the switching <laughs> yeah. defenses yeah. zones. That's zone it. principles. That's it. The team that zone well, that, that give up soft trapping, zone principles. You know, if you're not yeah. if you're not trapping, um, we'll just say that's more like a conventional zone, right? Like it, the soft switch that we see, that's a zone, man. Like, I mean, we've, yeah. we've just been calling it switches, but, the, but yeah, but it's, it's, it's kind of the, the, the rec league two, three zone. Whereas the teams that are actually doing this well, you know, the Celtics, the Warriors for a lot of the time, um, they're, they're, you know, it's, it, it's all been like man with zone principles, like tacked on. Um, and now teams have just sort of started to push that over that whatever that imaginary line that like no this is now a zone with man principles um but my point being is that like I, you don't need a zone offense you need to run your offense right you know i i'm sure you, I'm, I'm sure your coaches said hey we screen zones too and you know you, mm-hmm. you why can't you run a pick and roll against the zone like you just just run your stuff instead of saying well we're going to swing the ball around the perimeter and someone's going to shoot a three because Zones give up jump shots. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of that. Yeah, I just think it's just the we got to give the coaches credit for a little bit of being more creative instead of just let's keep running out the same thing over and over again defensively and hope they miss. And I feel like that's kind of the the stuff I like and and the fact that they're able to use it in a way to win games. This completely turned around the Knicks Hawks game. Like in the third quarter, the the Knicks only had ten points. And, and I think they had 10 turnovers on top of that in the third quarter alone. I feel like that kind of just freaked them out. And I think teams have to start focusing a little bit more on how will you attack a zone. So I think that's that that in, in a backdoor way kind of ties into to one of my favorite things, which is um, teams doing some basic stuff well and being rewarded for it. And um, the, the the sort of the backwards way I'll get to that from there is one of the things the features and you've 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 done a one more thing about this I believe Mo is the Knicks playing with more you know more pace in their offense getting into stuff faster running actions things like that um, I think a lot of the teams that we've seen that have been sort of surprise packages this year that's been a hallmark of of you know of San Antonio of Utah is not you know sprinting up and on the floor just you know there's three to five wins a season available for a team that's just going to, you know what, we're going to commit to getting into our offense off of a dead ball at 16 on the shot clock. We're just going to do that. That's, that's a, you know, in the corporate world, that's a KPI for us. Um, but the, the point the you know, w- w- uh, one thing about the zone is it, is it sort of backs you off of that. And now, you know, in much the same way that switch it, that like switching heavily can do, it's like now, well, okay. We didn't actually create much reaction with our first look, What's going on here? Oh shit! There's eight on the shot clock. Um, 
So I, I like that as a counter, but I, my favorite thing is teams just, you know, getting up and going and doing stuff and moving and involving multiple plays players and offensive sets. Um, that's, I enjoy that basketball much more than, you know, the, the pure, I have the ball. Everyone watch me. You can just say, Luca, it's okay. Like, I mean, like I, 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 it's okay to just say like Luca as wonderful of a player as he is and guy does special stuff. He can sometimes be a hard watch as for a basketball fan because you kind of know what he wants to do. He's going to do it. There's not a lot of mystery there. I think with, if I correct me if I'm wrong here, but what you love about basketball is that the ball <laughs> movement creates the mystery, right? It's like, Oh, what's going to happen next? Like, it's fun. Uh, it's like, watch, it's like pinball. You know, and when you, I love pinball. Of course you do. Of course yeah, you do. of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how did Medieval I Medieval madness. Yeah. Let's go. So, uh, when, I could see five-year-old, seven-year-old Seth at the pinball machine as a kid. Um, part of this though, I, Seth, it, it's a, it's a double-edged sword here because part of it is that defensive competence can, can highlight the good offense, right? Like, so if the defense, I mean, this is, we're going to talk Cavs Celtics forever, but like two good defenses, you, you wind up like the Cavs get some really good ball movement, but they're forced to because the Celtics are just so good at defense. So um, yeah, I'm with you. We all love the Spurs, beautiful game stuff. So, but I think the important aspect of it is though, Dave, even though defenses can force you into that is offenses, let the defense do that to them. They yeah. dictate a lot of things offensively, and right. we just see it too many times. Of, you know, I'm gonna dribble the, I'm gonna dribble up at the top, especially at the end of games. I'm gonna burn clock, kind of keep keep everything going, and then hope I get a shot towards the end of the the a good shot at the end of the clock, and that's when you're up. And I feel like there's there's a lot of that stuff. I think, you know, we talked about it so many times, but just the more you get into your sets, the more you make the defense work. What allows the Celtics defense to be so good sometimes is because they only have to defend for 10 seconds and not 24. And that's and I think that's the big thing. And the more we see offenses make defenses have to work for so long, I think then your openings are there. There was a lot of that uh, down the stretch in that Cavs game where they went to more ISO heavy stuff, you know, just trying to go high screen and roll to protect the lead. You know, this is all the stuff, our pet peeves, the things that we that we just you know, get, get frustrated watching. And, you know, you're right, Mo, if you, an elite defense, it's much easier to do that for seven seconds than it is for the full 24, or even if 18, if you're pushing the ball, you know, uh, across the line. So um, I don't know. I mean, I guess why aren't more teams just, why don't they have this in their playbook? You know, like we talk about guys like Trey getting off the ball, Luca getting off the ball. It just seems to me this stuff would be easy to bake in. You know, all these teams bake in the early post-ups for their bigs. I mean, we know like NFL head coaches, they'll script their first five plays or whatever it is. I think NBA teams could just stand to run some offense early and then, it, you know, just see if it works. I think some of that is also personnel that they have, right? Like we saw more of Luca off the ball last year because you trust Jalen Brunson to run your offense. And more importantly, Luca trust Jalen Brunson to run the offense. Same thing we're going to have to see with Trey Young is how much does he trust DeJounte Murray to fully run the offense and do a little more than just stand in the corner, which I'll be banging that drum all year for folks that, that want to just get ready for that. But I think that's the, the, that's the difference, right? It's having that personnel to do it. 
not a lot of teams can run the offense that the Warriors run, which is still Seth heavy, uh, Steph heavy. But I think ultimately you're, it's a lot of different stuff. It's him off screens. It's him off picking rolls. It's him moving around and, and, and screening and then coming to ball. Like it's a lot of, it's different, but not everybody can have that in that stuff. And I think that's really the, the ultimate question that you're asking for. I think it always, the answer comes down to, well, we don't have the personnel to do that with. Like the, like the jazz can do that because anyone who has the ball can bring the ball up the floor and get them into like their first thing. Like, you know, uh, the rockets get into offense early. It's just their offense. They get into it early and they jack up a 17 footer. You know, one of the things patience, right? Young guards learning patience, you know, Mo, you talked about the offense kind of waiting for the defense and, and getting them into the spot that they want them. This is, I was thinking about Josh green when you were saying that, like, this is, that's sort of where guards tend to turn the corner. Luca came into the league, understanding that pace. LeBron has dictated that pace the entire time he's been in the league. Chris Paul, we know, but the young guys, when they start to figure it out, John Morant last year, where it was waiting for that, you know, waiting for the help to come, waiting for, you know what I mean? Your, your man to set his screen, maybe even flip the screen, that sort of patience to get into your stuff. You're right. It does set up the defense. There's a balance there, I think, is what is really what we're, we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to play the game that's sweeping the nation, the pushback. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Shut your mouth. You're not God or my father. All my thoughts. We're talking about the 70 yes, get, get the official. Get the official Dude, to call them by the rules. Stop the traveling. Stop the carrying the ball. Stop I'm, the moving screens. Call the damn game according to the rule book because players will adjust. If you're going to allow them to get away with it, tell Of course I'll keep doing it. Call the game according to the rule book. It's such an advantage to let a guy carry the basketball or take an extra step. That's ridiculous, you know, or a guy to move on offense. I mean, why are you giving all this advantage to guys? They're breaking the rules. Shut your mouth. Call the game according to the rule book. I charted a game a few years ago, Chicago, Atlanta. 59 moving screens weren't called. 59. That's insane. I can't even tell you how many times they carried the ball, how many times they traveled with the ball. Shut your mouth. It's pathetic. It's, I mean, for me to watch this game the way I was taught how to play the game and to watch this and what they allow to let go, it's an embarrassment. I'm sorry, it is. It's an incredible game. The athletes are incredible. What they can do is incredible. And it's, I blame the officials. Not God or my father or my thoughts. And it's the same thing with screens. I mean, I'll, I'll, give, you a, I'll give you a good lesson here. Okay. Shut your mouth. You hear even the coaches when I'm hearing the coaches saying, well, he didn't set a very good screen. Trust me, guys. A player doesn't set a screen. Doesn't say when you have to set something, it implies that you need to do something. You have to set a screen. Shut your mouth. That's not your responsibility. 
Your responsibility as my teammate for Clifford Real Estate is to learn to put yourself in the most advantageous position to allow me to take my man and run my man into him, thereby making him a screener. He's a stationary option. He only becomes a screener if I run my man into him. So if I do a crappy job setting my man up, and he's going to come over the screen, what does he think I'm supposed to set a screen? So he moves a little bit to try to what? Set a screen. That's a violation. It's a moving screen. It's a foul. Officials don't call it unless you take a guy's head off. That's the problem with kicking motor play. They don't run it properly. They don't understand it properly. And even the coaches are talking not intelligently about it. It's not, you don't set a screen. All right, guys, time for a little segment called The Pushback. As you all know, this show features a lot of pushback. Sometimes Seth pushes back to me. And then Mo will push back to Seth's pushback, only to then encounter pushback from Seth. Pushback to the pushback to the pushback. So I figured, let's just make it official. Guys, I'm going to make a declarative statement. Feel free to make a pushback or agree. Let's start. Sound good? I I disagree with all of them. Let's go. Perfect. (laughs) Pushback. With Dave, Seth, and Mo. Guys, the Bucks are 7-0 when we're recording this podcast. They are the best team in the NBA and should be considered the finals favorites. No pushback for me. This team's unbel- This team has taken the mantle of the Spurs of the team that nobody talks about but just wins a crap ton of games at this point. You know, it's it's funny. You obviously for obvious reasons, nobody's been paying attention to the Milwaukee Bucks. We've had a lot going on lately in the NBA. They're just humming along, continuing to roll. I believe they have the the best point differential in the NBA. They're just blowing teams out. They're 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 crushing everybody. Ooh, second, the Phoenix Suns, a little bit higher, um, by tenths of a point. But ultimately, you just watch this team and the Bucks just roll. Like I don't see anybody coming close to what they're doing, and they don't have Chris Middleton on the floor right now. That's the more impressive thing. They're doing all of this. They're beating everybody's ass, and and, and it doesn't matter who they have as long as Giannis is healthy they're rolling I mean Giannis has been so stupendous to start the year um our our colleague Eric name I believe is is uh has been singing the praises of of uh, one of my favorites Brooke Lopez who's looked uh great, great physically this year um and that's you know that's a, a a defense that start that that's built on Drew Holiday Brooke Lopez and Giannis and Adekumbo. Is you, you and I could be on the court and yes. they'd be, we would still get stops, not because of us, yeah, but yeah, in spite of us, but yeah. Um, I did, it pains me to do this considering that I have picked the Bucks to win the title, but I am going to push back just a little bit in that them coming out of the gate early, displaying sort of this is a hallmark of a Mike Budenholzer team. We're going to do our stuff and do our stuff and do our stuff, and that's a high floor way of playing. And so the fact that they that their their high floor is good and some of the other top teams have kind of been scuffling a little bit. I don't know how much that tells us about their ultimate ceiling down the end of the season. But is this so that's that's not like that's not I'm not it's not a full pushback. It's a more of a lean Okay, back. if I can give a little pushback to your lean back here. This is a team that doesn't have anything to really prove, right? Like we've talked about it a couple of years now. I mean, we've been doing this for a while. They needed to experiment. They did experiment. The experiment 
was successful. Last year, if they have Chris Middleton, uh, I, I think they would have made the finals. I mean, I do think that that was a huge, I mean, obviously a huge loss for them. So if I can just lightly push back to your lean back, I think the 7-0 matters because they're doing it without Middleton. I'm That's gonna. It. I'm. I'm not pushing back. I'm gonna full on shove Seth right now. <laughs> all of this stuff. It's hard. You know, you're 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 complaining about the ceiling. The floor is the conference finals. Like it's not like it's 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 there. Like they're right in that. Like they're in that range. But no team has looked better than them. Honestly, I don't think any team has looked as complete in terms of just. We know what we want to do. We're going to roll. Part of that's continuity, but even the teams with continuity have not looked very good at times and have had times where they've looked shaky. I haven't watched a game where I felt like the Bucks were going to lose, even when they may have been losing in that quarter or whatever. I just feel like their dominance is coming in a way of like very nonchalant. And, and, and I'm telling you, it's Spurs 2.0. It's, it's all those years with the Spurs where we just – Pencil them in for 55 wins and, and you know, at least two first two rounds of the playoffs, they're going to be dominant. And then you figure it out from there. I think this is just, you know, barring injuries and things like that, knock on wood. I, I, I don't see it. You, you can't look at a team in the East or in the West that would scare me against the Bucks. It's a great place to start. I mean, normally we talk about teams, all right, you got to earn your way back to that spot again. And I think the difference with those Spurs teams. And I think it's fair to put like this kind of iteration in the box is like, all right, if we're not hurt, we're in the, we're in at minimum the second round of the playoffs and we go from there and see, see how the chips fall. And that's a great spot to be. And so I, I, I can't disagree with that. Uh, no pushback. I win. I there win this it round. Is. There Big it is. Yeah. That's a point for Mo. We're, I didn't know we were going to keep scoring. <laughs> Plus but, one cloud. But now Mo. we are. All right, guys. Pushback. You you may have my I bestow my blue check upon you. Yay, <laughs> just send me It'll be eight dollars. <laughs> just send me the eight bucks. All right, guys. Next up, the Suns are currently six and one in spite of our concern over the vibes. No Jay Crowder. DeAndre Ayton's been hurt. They still win, just like they did last year. Uh, they were sixty four and eighteen last year. They had some bad playoff luck, which may have involved, you know, a COVID outbreak that nobody knew about. Guys, the Suns should actually be the favorites in the West. Any pushback? My pushback is this. Uh, the Bucks have proven everything they need to prove over the last three years. The Suns, when we're talking about it, when we're the, compared to the goal we're talking about, we have questions, and those questions are both from their performance in the past and also Chris Paul. Um, you know, he's he has done the floor general thing, hasn't really made a shot. Um, you know, they've made up for they made up for the absence of DeAndre Ayton last year. I don't think that I think that that getting DeAndre Ayton, uh, you know, optimized and maximized is still something that is a necessity for them to make a deep postseason run. So these things that they're maybe getting away with now, I just wonder when measure against that higher bar, do we still have questions? And yes, I do. Pushing back on myself, I will say one thing we, we've wished they wanted them to have is a change-up way to play. And uh, having Jacques Landale as their backup five has given them that. And so that's a very interesting wrinkle to them that, that, uh, that, that I, I think is reason for optimism. I'm going to say 
something here and 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 it's going to suck a little bit for Suns fans. Man, do it in the playoffs. Like that's really kind of where we're at with them. You know, this is a they're where the Bucks were after they got knocked out by Miami and it's everybody was just like, "All right, we don't, you know, like they're in that next season phase where cool, we got to do that." My concern about this team is their depth. Like that's sorry, I'm not betting on Cameron Payne like as my 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 backup point guard. I know he had a good run 2 years ago, was not very good last year. I don't feel confident in in him this year in just what I've seen early on just in stuff like the game against Minnesota that they won. That second unit blew a big lead in the fourth quarter that had to bring the starters back in earlier to kind of regulate everything and get back on board. I feel like this is that's going to be the concerning thing going deep into the season in the finals because how do you keep Chris Paul fresh? You know, it's 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 an important aspect there. And and maybe they sacrifice wins now to 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 do that. And that might be a smart thing, but I just don't see them doing that. I don't think they can afford to. Chris Paul, who is under 41% effective field goal percentage so far this season. Like I think that, you know, for as long as he's been in Phoenix, the how was the clock ticking on Chris Paul? And I think we we saw it. I think a little in last year's playoffs and starting the season off, you know, again, still being able to craft his way to a bunch of assists, but not being an effective scorer, you know, seven games, you don't want to freak out, but maybe you do because, you know, father time is undefeated. Okay. But uh, there are positives here, right? Cam Johnson looks fantastic. I think with the the starting unit, Mikel Bridges doing even more stuff with the ball in his hands. I think the bearing the lead here. Devin Booker is well, I'm a, getting there. Know, looking like an all I'm yeah, okay. I'm building up. Come on, man. You know, we're building a drama. Oh, sorry, here. sorry. Work with and, and and Devin Booker has looked like an all NBA player. That's how you do it, Seth. There's an argument to be made that those three developments, and Devin Booker in particular, can counterbalance. The, the weight uh, of, you know, like Chris Paul's, uh, you know, the fall off, the drop off. Um, you know, I think Devin Booker is a more important player to this Suns team in the playoffs than Chris Paul is. And I think Devin Booker, I, I don't think we've seen the best Devin Booker can be, to be honest with you. Uh, this guy, I mean, what he's doing offensively is pretty, pretty incredible. Like his ball handling has come such a long way in traffic. I mean, he really just gets around the paint at will. I have no, I have nothing to say about Devin Booker, but praise. Like, I think he's been awesome, but I think the, he can't do it alone is, is really the concern I have. And you're right. Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, all of them have looked better. That's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough come playoff time. And it's not going to be enough if they even get to the finals. So I think that's the important aspect there that we're looking at. And we're thinking of is you have to get it's, it's depth. You know, we saw a Boston team get completely worn down you know, in through the playoffs and then into the finals where, where they just looked exhausted and they only had five guys they could really play. So I think that's the concerning thing with what you're looking at going forward with them. And and that's why I don't, even though they're off to a great start, I don't look at them as a favorite in the West. I think the West is just freaking wide open. All right, let's uh, flip back to the East. And I mentioned Cavs Celtics. They've had two wildly entertaining overtime games in the last week and the Cavs won both of them. Um, 
Donovan Mitchell's addition to the Cavs has been incredible. And we just got to see what it looked like with Darius Garland out there and uh, pretty damn good guys. So I'm ready to say the Cleveland Cavaliers are the third best team in the East. Any pushback there? None. I don't have any. I, I, I think it's just uh, right now they are the third best team in the East. It's it's interesting in the sense of they've kind of hit the ground rolling where we thought some other teams with continuity would look a little better and a little smoother with what they have. And I'm looking at you, Boston. Um, I think the instance is what you have is they've kind of flown right into it. I think Donovan Mitchell is a great piece for them at the end of games, even though there are I still have questions as part of the earlier discussion that we had in the favorite things. Um, th- there are issues with how he runs stuff in the games, but he's the guy they need at the end of games. I can get you a bucket. I think Mobley was really good. I think Jared Allen's awesome. I mean, Darius Garland getting back on the floor. Pretty impressive. I don't really have a pushback. My only pushback is why stop at three? I mean, while we have questions about, you know, we're sort of assuming I think like the putting Boston two, I think is sort of filling in a magic asterisk of healthy Robert Williams because healthy Robert Williams, the, 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 the the Celtics as constituted are on the level with the bucks and whoever else you want to put in the, the top tier teams, the NBA. I think that, you know, we probably have to see that before we assume it. And in the absence of that, are the Cavs just better than the Celtics right now? I'm extremely impressed with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland's defensive effort. I mean, Garland hasn't played a whole lot yet, but his effort was, I thought, spectacular. Donovan Mitchell made legitimate defensive plays down the stretch against five of them. He was all over the place. He was a man. It was impressive. A man possessed. You know, I said he was playing with his guts out. and, And that, honestly, Donovan Mitchell... I have watched him extensively in Utah. I mean, this is not like, this is not a surprise to me. I watched him at Louisville. I was one of the few people that in the draft process was like, no, this guy is going to shoot in the NBA. And I think he's going to be pretty good. Um, I've never seen him play like this. It's, it's a whole nother level of intensity from him. And then to have Mobley and Jared Allen backing those guys up. And by the way, Mobley taking a little bit of an offensive leap so far this season in my eyes. His post-up game looks better. That little jump hook looks really nice, and I like how he's attacking from the wing. If they get some in-season development, if Darius Garland is is going to take the leap, you know, like Ja took last year. He was an all-star last year. Let's, I mean, it, it's – I don't know, man. It, this this could be conference finals. I mean, there there is a the the whole the three is still there. Dean Wade has has kind of filled in, um, and sort of doing a a, a poor man's version of what Laurie Markkinen gave them last year, and that's been competent. That is the spot you we worry about both because I think they do need the one more shooter, and also you do worry about you know, um, you know Mitchell was was really good last night. You know, matching up against uh, Jalen Brown in particular, I thought, um, but guarding those kind of big wings that you tend to face in the later rounds of the playoffs. Dean Wade has been good, but how good do you feel about, all right, we got a seven game series, Dean Wade, go guard Jimmy Butler, go guard James Harden, go guard Jason Tatum. And Levert, uh, Gerald Levert, sorry, Karis Levert, (laughs) uh, Karis Levert, 
actually did a pretty good job um, against Boston in both of those games. I thought, I mean, you know, like he's not, he's not the guy, like he's not a, a lockdown guy, but I thought with what he brought on the offensive end, especially playmaking, he's done a good job finding guys in the, in the corner for open threes. Um, he's been better than a Coro out there in that spot by a lot because Okoro's negative on offense just hurts them too much. The team, when they get Ricky Rubio back, I mean, they're going to have some really, really crazy lineup combinations. I think they're going to be interesting. I think just the one thing I'd say about it come playoffs is this is still a very young team. Oh yeah. A very young team. Like before we go, and I know young teams have had a run in the playoffs. It's still let's, let's just, let's enjoy the ride guys. Well, speaking of youth, I don't know, maybe youth. I don't know. It might not be a young guy that gets this, but guys, I think we're going to get a first time MVP this season. I think there's voter fatigue, certainly, which we all know is a real thing. And Giannis, as incredible as his season has been so far, I mean, I think he would have to sustain this all year. Jokic. You're saying the Bucs need to go 82 and 0 for 82 and 0, and Giannis is the MVP. Undeniably, I don't think Jokic is going to have a shot because now everyone's back and, you know, the expectations are are higher. Steph feels unlikely. LeBron feels unlikely. I think we're going to get a new MVP this season, guys. A first time MVP. You're just going to skip over Russell Westbrook? <laughs> yes, we're going to get a first time MVP. Excuse me. Thank you. Thank you, Mo, you for correcting Can you me. get the MVP and six man of the year award in the same season? No. (laughs) We need that to happen once. That'd be fun. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. So, I mean, obviously the, 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 you know, a a place to start there. I mean, I think he's a guy who's, who's everyone's kind of like, you know, MVP every year has been Luka Doncic. And I think, um, obviously the Mavs are putting up a ton of points. He is, uh, I think seven straight uh, 30 point games to start the season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, He's doing enough, uh, everything, perhaps too much. Um, so, but the the biggest obstacle for them it was going to be their record. They need to be like a top five to six overall record in the NBA, generally speaking, to get in the MVP. And the question is, do they pull out enough close games, or does their sort of proclivity to, you know, it's 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 a several season long proclivity to kind of fall apart, not fall apart, but like the everything we're talking about, like Mitchell 
offense end of game certainly applies to the Mavericks with the added thing of Lucas had a had to carry a 38% usage for three and a half quarters and he just like gasses out. Like we've seen it in games, we've seen it in playoff series over his career. That said, Lucas certainly there. I, this is gonna. This could be one of those years where Luca wins the MVP if he keeps the Mavs at second and the team flames out in the first round because of just the, the expectation and the 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 he's exhausted at the end of the season because of everything that said he's got to do everything for this team when he goes to the bench. Good lord, it's rough, you know. And and you know I think that's kind of the the question marks there and maybe if they make a tweak or something in the the season and things like that. But, you know, Luca would be a guy. But, hey, man, like, I'm going to say something kind of wild, but why not Ja? Why not Ja? I mean, you know, he's I doing mean, it without Jaron, right? Right. I mean, you know, they got to still lift up and get, you know, the and the wins have got to get there. Again, early in the season, man, he's one win behind the, the uh, one loss behind the Mavs. So it's still too early to kind of worry about that. But if he gets them up to this level where he, he keeps them afloat and is healthy all year, I don't know if there's been anybody that's been able to stop him as a, as a team. He's been great. And I think this is one of those things, you know, Jaws, another guy. I mean, this is way too early for these conversations, but no pushback from me. I don't, I think we're going to get a first time MVP winner. Oh yeah. This year. I dare. I mean, no one would dare have an MVP conversation in the second week of the season, guys. I mean, that's, you know, we, we dare to be different. Uh, on this show. Back on no, so I think this, this ties into what to me has been one of my sort of the, a, a, a trend that I think has been, maybe it's just how the start of the season has started, but maybe it's real is I think we're, we, we've been sort of wondering about it for a while. I really think we're seeing a changing of the guard at the top end of the league, not just the team's, but the players, we're kind of moving on from the KD, LeBron, whoever else group. And the, the next group, Ja and Luca and Jason Tatum and, and if Mitchell keeps playing this way and whoever else you want to name are going to now become sort of the, the, the new standard bearers of the league. And, uh, and I think that ties in with the fact that, that I, like my impression of this is mostly that that, that bucks aside – the teams that have been surprisingly good so far this year have been young. The teams that have been surprisingly bad so far this year have been old, and many of them have looked creaky. Like, I mean, Clippers, uh, Sixers, team in Brooklyn we don't want to talk about. Like, we think we can go to, like, Warriors at well, times? Okay. The yeah, Warriors, I, mean, yeah, I, mean, there's, I think it's it, – the Warriors, the rotation stuff is so weird. Yeah. You Like we can't even – I can't even really talk about the Warriors be, uh, unless we're going to just right. dig into how weird some of the rotation stuff is. Yeah. They, they're clearly bonus, not thinking about right now. This is a bonus pushback because I'm going to push back on Seth a bit. Let's go. We're in the third week of the season. Like let's let's see where <laughs> we're at. You know, I started with that caveat. Yeah, so you're true. you're pushing back on the on the, yeah, the lever I left out the there. You can't take away you can't take away the argument by just saying, well, uh, we could do the but caveats all try. we want. Yeah, and I'm not gonna but, let you get away with it. Uh, it's the third week of the season. I wanna give it more time. We gotta let the season breathe a little bit more. We're not even at 10 games, Seth. Now I'm with you when the young stars are kind of like we've talked about it a million yeah. times. Like the the 
upcoming crop is phenomenal and things like that. I feel like this could be a thing too of young teams kind of uh youthful exuberance to start the season. <laughs> yes. And and older teams kind of just yeah. like uh Have damn, you heard the story of the young bull and the old exactly. bull? Exactly. Funny story yeah. about that if you want a side note is Michael Finley is the one that told me the story of the young bull and the old bull uh okay. once after a, a practice when I was rushing to do something and he had to and he slowed me down um back in the day when I was younger uh but I think you have a lot of interesting teams I think you just gotta look the Warriors even if it, we know they're doing stuff differently I think Denver's easing into the season I mean the Clippers are, are, are a disaster and at least for me right now um I think but if Kawhi can get somewhat healthy or something like that, I think they can kind of find their flow and back in their rhythm. I think the older teams will start to rise. And some of the old, some of the places I'm including older teams, Boston, older team. These guys have been around forever. Like they're, they could be starting out a little bit slow. I think a lot of the teams apart from the, the bucks are, 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 are teams that have something to prove and have to go hard all year. And I think that's kind of the difference with that. And the, the older teams are kind of just like, man, we've been there before. Yeah, I know. We, we, I think we, we, me, us, we've talked about this. Like we, the, oh, been there before. We can, we can just get to the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. We generally hate that. And like, if, and the funny thing is, is if there is a team that we would accept that from, it would be the Bucks. Like, it, right. like, like, uh, but they're the and they're the team that's no, we're taking care of business. That's why Giannis is the most refreshing superstar we have in the NBA. I'm sorry, like just even today, he told a terrible joke and then put it on his Twitter. Um, like it's 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 just fun in that sense, but also like he goes hard in pregame. Like he he has to change his entire uh, workout clothes afterwards because it's just a full sweat. Like you know, it's it's. In that vein of that, and if that's what your superstar is going to do, Wesley Matthews can't just be chilling, right? You, you know, it's you got to go. You're never going to go see Giannis and feel like you wasted money on a ticket. This is why I mean, why I love Russell Westbrook with all my heart, and why I love seeing him succeed as a sixth man. You guys got anything else before we wrap up for the week? Absolutely nothing. I'm I am I am content. I am I, enjoying. We've had really good basketball. It has and been let's try really to good. keep let's try to keep the conversation, folks, more more focused on basketball. I know there's a lot of noise going. Try to lock in on the basketball because it's really good. Next week we'll discuss whether Matt Ryan, that plays for the Lakers, is now the most famous Matt Ryan in sports because he made one shot. For Moda Kill, for Seth Part now, I'm Dave DeFore. This has been Nerder. She wrote on the Athletic NBA show. Keep it. Push back. With Dave. Push back. Seth and Moe.